everyone, and welcome to Employee, your podcast for rethinking employment. My name is Christina Walker-Meyer, and I'm your host for this podcast. And today we have Richard Brandt here with us today. Hi, Richard. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Hi. So I'm super excited that you joined so spontaneously and that you're taking the time to answer our questions. Um, Richard Brand is the founder and CEO of CodeTrain in Ghana, which is a training program for people in Ghana where they can learn web and app development. I'm actually currently in Accra, and before I came here, Luis Boches, which you maybe might still know from our second podcast episode. Yeah, Luis introduced me to Richard, uh, which he met when he was here in Accra a few weeks ago for his mentorship program, Impact. So I'm overexcited about this introduction and the interview today recorded directly and live in Accra and uh, yeah, the exchange of the different perspectives on work, on employment. Are you ready? Yes, I'm excited. So uh, Richard, before we talk about your company, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What is your background? What are your passions, your dreams? So who are you? Yeah, so my background is in uh, mathematics. I have a bachelor's in, in mathematics. Um, and then I did a two-year program. Um, it's called a MEST program, um, where they teach you um, software entrepreneurship. So I learned how to code, and I also learned how to you know, start a company from scratch, um, learn all the necessary things to like, you know, find a solution to a problem, um, and then how to raise money, how to start a startup, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, are you also from, you're also from Ghana, so from which area are you? I'm from, I'm, I'm from Accra, uh -huh. in Ghana, which is the capital. And um, it's, uh, it's by the seaside. Their main occupation is fishing. Uh -huh. they, they speak with very, very loud voices because, you know, by the seaside, you need to speak louder. Otherwise, mm -hmm. nobody will hear you. And um, the, the area is full of boxes. So um, Accra has over more than five former world champion um, boxers ah, really? and the one of them is in the boxing hall of fame called azuma nelson and also most you know ghana loves football mm -hmm. and um is the area is known for um, growing talent in soccer as well uh, football so a lot of the national team players play in that area um yeah so it's it's, it's a really exciting um place to come from <laughs> so uh after not becoming a boxing star or football star <laughs> what was your journey until uh you've become a founder of co-train so how did you get into this direction yeah so while i was studying software entrepreneurship for two years um i was part of a team that wore the world summit youth award um it's uh, a kind of um, award that is given to i think they chose 40 teams all over the world um, to recognize them for uh, an application that they built to help reduce like uh, the, the SDGs, you know. Um, and um, our project was a kind of um, online platform where nurses and health professionals and doctors all over the world can collaborate and um, discuss ideas on how they are able to reduce maternal mortality. Mm -hmm. And because it's, it's very high in, in developing countries, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really, really great project for us, like, you know, to do something to contribute to um, development. So after that, I was really, really inspired by, you know, uh, by that. And I've always, you know, wanted to solve problems with technology since. At some point, I was, you know, the tech space is booming 
in in africa and in globally everything is like software now and so one of the things that i do i i was doing consulting then i was building apps and websites for companies but then um in my own free time i love to teach and i love to share ideas so i had um events in universities um to tell them hey like these are opportunities in tech if you learn how to code or if you learn how to build websites or you learn online marketing there are so many companies and opportunities out there you know these um boot camps or conferences became very popular and then uh, but there was a problem the problem was even when they got the information about how they can be able to um uh, about the opportunities in in technology and you know how they can get big jobs or how they can get opportunity to work at Google or Facebook or even start their own companies um they couldn't find a way to start you know there was no place where you can start a career in coding or in tech um so then i i started taking some of them as interns and then teaching them you know for the fun of it and um helping them to find uh, jobs or internships in companies and that that is how co-train started so mm-hmm. i then stopped the consulting um the freelancing and and i decided to just okay then let me let me just start a school you know to provide this need for people and it's i mean it's it's we have two branches in our, in, in Ghana now and we are the biggest like professional code school in, in Ghana now so great that's a really great story but i still have to ask one thing <laughs> so if everyone is becoming a like a sports kind of star or people are rather looking into um sports careers how did you end up in software entrepreneurship so yeah so actually i was myself i was i was a football player um i played for my university um i played for um one of the top teams here when i was like in school but then my whole the whole tech thing started when i realized you know after school i realized how technology is changing things in africa how it's it's improving the lives of people and the scalability of it you know about 50 years 100 years back if you needed to build something if you needed to create wealth you would need like so much money so much influence so much capital because you need to build warehouses you need to build um factories you know um and it's so expensive you know but with with technology all that you need is a laptop and you can build like a billion dollar company that's true uh, yeah or you can you can all that you need is a laptop and you can you can improve the lives of like millions of thousands of people um you can provide education for a whole lot of people you can you can reduce malaria you could you can help people earn money you know and get a better life um so that is what drew me to to technology i realized yeah this is and especially in the context of africa um i believe it's something that we can use to like change our lives and improve our, you know the situation here because we are still transitioning from a phase where there is so much we were underdeveloped and now we are developing so it's something that can you know hasten the process it's really great so it's a little bit like a revolution bottom up so yeah. to say yeah. <laughs> okay um so let's talk a little bit uh, about co-train so what is co-train about and can you explain a little bit what services uh, you offer and for whom and since when yeah so the thing is this um the tech space in africa is booming like now everybody i need we need to buy something right now <clears throat> we just go online we order it is delivered here we pay by cash you know if um Uh, if we need even if we need to buy a car i just go online to look for a car like i call 
and then you know i meet them somewhere like oh i, I go to the, the garage to see it everything is tech even the government like if i need to apply for a passport i just fill a form online i go and key in my pictures and things like that um, if i want to start a company like everything is like tech here because it's very cheap mobile money you know we didn't have credit cards we don't have like credit score we don't have but everybody has a phone so we just use our phones to um, send money and to do transactions you know and it's by sms it's this all means that like the tech space here is booming and because of that so many of this means that there will be so many companies in the tech space now every company in ghana is a tech company because they have some tech um, and even in africa they have some tech components but the problem is these companies find it very difficult to hire talent. I mean, because we didn't really prepare for this, you know, boom, you know, in digitization. So um, companies find it very difficult to like, find the right amount, you know, talent to build things. And at the same time, on the other hand, there is a whole lot of like very smart young Ghanaians who want to start a career in coding, who want to become software developers. but um, the current um, system is not really cut for, you know, that kind of training. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to start co-train to offer them a, a, a physical space where they can come and learn to code. And also, after they, they learn to code, we connect them to companies um, for internships and employment. But we don't even only do the coding. Um, you know, the modern workspace is, is kind of like different from the traditional workspace. So we try to to teach them uh, modern office skills, modern um, work skills like critical thinking and then soft skills, even design thinking, mm-hmm. so that they can be able to, su- to be successful in today's um, work environment. We also provide them with mentorship and we provide them with a lot of teaching based on practical projects. So you come in like every month, you have like a project and we sometimes even get projects from real companies. So there is a kind of education which is kind of like missing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to provide the, the, because the problem with unemployment in, in Africa is be, not because there isn't enough jobs. Fine, there isn't enough jobs, but the few jobs available, you don't have qualified people because there's a skills gap. And we can only reduce our skills gap by giving practical, technical training based on industry simulated projects. So we try to get like our curriculum is based on things that the industry needs, and then we train them in in, in that and and modern technologies as well. And also we get top CEOs, top software uh, guys, people working. Some of our graduates who are working in other companies to mentor the current guy because sometimes you need someone to lift you up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we provide that kind of package, um, which we believe is enough to you know help somebody start a, you know a successful career. So the industry project that you mentioned, is it um, that you connect like with, let's say, a big company and they have a project and then you actually do the project for them, but it's like somehow mentored also by you or is it, are these rather example projects? So yeah, we have, we have uh, not so big companies, mainly startups mm-hmm. um, give us uh, projects which our students and graduates work on. Okay. Um, we also have um, mini projects that are given by big startups and also big companies mm-hmm. as well in Ghana. And those com- projects are not mainly, let's say, projects that they are going to push put into production, but projects more like research projects, experimental projects to, to test the skills of the, the students. And also at the same time, to it's a way of, you know, recruiting, you know, like the talent. Because if the companies 
Um, we do demo days where the companies come to um, listen to the product that have been built. So it's also a way that they can recruit um, these um, young people. Okay, so they would, for example, see that there's a person who's a good coder within the project, and then they say, okay, whenever you're done with school, uh, then yeah, they come would... and work with us. Ah, that's yeah. that's great. Yeah. So, who are those students? Like, what kind of background do they have? Are these university students, or are these even, let's say, maybe people directly from high school, or where do they come from? And yeah, that is very interesting because, uh, like, it's it's when we, when I started, I was targeting university students mainly. Um, so we had a lot of, I, I offered uh, um, internship to university students to train them, but then hi, we got one student who was a high school graduate and within eight months, he got his first job. He was just, he was 17 years by then when he started. On his 18th, I think a few months after his 18th birthday, um, we we sent their CVs to some of the companies and they called him for interview and they just employed him and they gave him an internship. It was really, really inspiring. So we started targeting the, the high school graduates, people want to start a career in coding. Um, and also, we also have, interestingly, um, people who are, who are already working and they want to change careers. Mm -hmm. um, and we also have a good number of them who uh, studied computer science or who studied art or any other course but they can't find you know a job and they come study with us some of them even did engineering they study with us and um after six months of training we connect them to companies for internships and, and job opportunities so it's a combination of is the university in um, ghana is it for free no it's not for free so then I, i would assume the people coming from university might be already be quite privileged Right? Yes. So those coming from university might quite be privileged. But there are, there are, I mean, there are two types of universities here. The private universities are fully paid for. The public universities are subsidized by the government. Okay. So it's, it's, it's much cheaper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the government, usually the government universities are able to accommodate people who are underprivileged and mm -hmm. both like, you know, a mixture of everything. I would also assume that if you now open up a little bit the, the target group to just high school students, you would get uh, even a, a broader range of people, probably, as your, your students. Yeah, so, yeah, currently, right now, we, we just want to provide opportunity to people. Mm. And we also realized in our curriculum, um, when they are in the class and you come, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a high school student, a graduate and an university student. You know what I mean? Because yeah. with software, it's 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 a kind of like different kind of learning. Our, our training process is not too academic; mm -hmm. it's more of practicality and critical thinking, and um, being able to use what you learn. So it's more creative. Yeah. So um, it doesn't really matter where you know which which target group you are in. So far as you want to learn, that's all that you need. Um, but we want to create. Um, right now, we are working on a project to introduce every high school student in Ghana to coding. At least they should get some basics. Um, it's something because it's easier to get them like younger. Um, but at the same time, to want to provide job opportunities for those looking for. Because globally, there is like a, a big shortage of software developers. So if they are university graduates or even college graduates or even, uh, even high school graduates sitting at home and they don't have any skills, we can also, you know, they also need to get that opportunity 
so that in a few months they can get some skills and you know get uh, employed you know employment opportunities yeah it's really great uh, idea also to teach um, children already in a very young age how to code i also know that in germany there were also these conversations if if the children should not learn coding already in elementary school like like a foreign language for yeah, example yeah yeah even here even here there are so many they've introduced ICT training and i, I mean the system, the education system is now turning towards you know technology and sh giving them the basics in you know in in tech um yeah so it, it's really good you know last um two months i think three months ago we had we we experimented with a junior bootcamp where we have kids come during the vacation i think it was during the summer cool. <laughs> and they came and we had like these kids and they are so smart like after after a month of coding they built android games and they did a showcase okay um, they you know they we invited their parents to do a final day and they they actually demonstrated the the games that they built you know why the rabbit is jumping why yeah. like you know there's like you know they explain that yeah thing and it was very successful and it's something that we want to continue yeah um, as well during the vacation so yeah, yeah, yeah like i mean these are really really interesting like, i wish like you you were here to see it yeah. <laughs> yeah. watching them like test imagine. their games That's and so yeah, demo their <laughs> games <laughs> And who is actually um, paying for the school? Is it also subsidized by the government or are the students paying by themselves or is it also funded by companies or how, how, how does it work? Yeah, so the training is, is paid by the students. We run like a normal school where um, they you, you want to study with us, you pay the fees to, to study with us. Um, because like when I when we started, I mean, at the point where we didn't have anything, it was very difficult going to convince companies or the government for funding. Because if we didn't take care, I would have used the entire period looking for support to start. But I was like, no, like if we can offer good value to people, why not? Like people, because when it comes to education, there's a culture of people trying to pay to get a better life, you know, and for them to get opportunities. Um, but of course, like, It, it means that those who are not able to pay are, you know, are marginalized. So, um, co-train, um, uh, in the past, we've offered a lot of, like, scholarships to, to a lot of students, um, even a lot of females to enroll, even though we are a small startup. Um, and it's one of the biggest problems that we have. Right now, we are in a growth stage. Um, I believe that we can be able to, like, create a bigger impact if we got some kind of support especially like to train people that do not have like the means to, to pay or people who are in rural areas or people who live in poor communities or people who do not have any kind of like support like their parents they don't have you know um, supportive parents or you know um, uh, or they don't have like anybody to take care of them um, yeah we, we try in our own way but I mean if there was a way we could um, get like you know that kind of support it, it's going to be great um, and one of the things too is um, we in the future we are looking at partnering with companies who want to like you know um, sponsor like students and then employ them or just sponsor them as part of their um, corporate social responsibility mm -hmm. but at the same time it's our main focus in the last few months has been really trying to make it like the best school in Ghana like you know good quality world-class education mm -hmm. and then um, we can then it will make sense to now go and tell you know people or even the government or anybody like hey like we are doing something awesome and you know if we want you, we want to scale this up 
yeah like with you know um support we can scale it up so i think we are at that stage where we are ready to have that kind of conversations with with stakeholders and companies to mm -hmm. to find a way to you know instead of um training 200 developers a year now we have last year we trained 200 developers to 240 in accra um, and we have our new branding from us now we can double the intake but then how about if we are training 5,000, you know, or 10,000, it could mm. be better, right? And how much is uh, an education for one person? At Co-Train? Yeah. It's uh, for the six months. So it's it's a one-year program. So they pay about one, $130, $130, $130 yeah, per, month. Uh, per month. But the entire program is um, $750. Mm -hmm. And so that is for the six months training. Mm -hmm. And then, but we realized that after the training, they still need support. They need to build a portfolio. They need work experience and everything. So we introduced another uh, six months mentorship program where they don't pay anything. That is a, a sponsored program. Mm -hmm. So during the mentorship program, we connect them to companies and we have days where they come to learn. And then we have days where they go to work in companies. Mm -hmm. So with that model, we are trying to find support from companies to sponsor the mentorship program. Mm -hmm. as well so that we can we, we don't just train them but we can train them and help them build their portfolio uh, advance their skills so that they can get like better opportunities mm -hmm. um how did you come up with the idea for co-train i've been in tech since um i completed school and i really love entrepreneurship and freelancing so because of that so many people know me as a tech person so when someone wants to build a website and it's build an app they always like you know contact me but and there were so many such opportunities like not even in, in ghana alone like globally like if you go like people are looking for tech talent i think about 20 30 years 20 25 years ago like india used to like provide a world of talents you know southeast asia like you know eastern europe now it's it's drifting it's getting much expensive there it's getting you know now it's drifting towards like north africa now and like you know coming down to like to africa and uh, at the same time africa has the biggest like youth population in the world and it's supposed to especially double by 2050 so i think the future of like talent recruitment you know is, is africa mm -hmm. basically and i believe the future of tech talent recruitment is africa so then with that combination of like reasons i decided to you know go into uh, the space of providing um you know, skills, like in, 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 I mean, practical, employable skills. So that is mm -hmm. uh, how I started coaching. And um, so when we talk a little bit about uh, tech, co tech companies and startups in general in Accra or Ghana, yeah. or let's maybe phrase it even Western Africa. Yeah. So what is the current state and are there a lot of startups uh, coming up at the moment? Yes, there, there's a lot of startups. There is a lot of startups. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you've realized right, from your travels in Ghana, Ghanaians are very entrepreneurial. They want to sell you anything. Like instead of they sitting at home and, you know, acting like they are entitled to things, they would rather go to the streets in the traffic to sell, you know. Um, so that's true. <laughs> <laughs> they sold a lot of stuff yeah, to us also yeah. during our vacation. <laughs> yeah, they sell a lot. So um, the... The space is like run, the country is run by like small businesses and, you know, SMEs and startups. And there are so many startups like by young people um, who are trying to innovate, like so many startups. Um, and there's a lot of tech startups as well who are trying to like um, 
um, innovate around tech to provide scalable solutions um, for um, you know like to help you know the economic growth but um there are, at the same time there's a lot of challenges um like you you know like infrastructure challenges you know, like things like you know um that we have fast internet but it's expensive um we we don't have already existing infrastructure so sometimes when you are building like uh, a startup you have to like think about the problem from you know like first principles because maybe if you, you are doing e-commerce you have to think about hey delivery because okay we do we do our own delivery or you know god there isn't like any established and um, working delivery system already there there are so many most of the, the the problems are so basic that startups have to like integrate backwards to solve some of the infrastructure problems before they solve their own problems mm-hmm. um so um it's one of the number one reason and also too it's very expensive to start a startup here firstly um staying out of a job <laughs> and then trying to survive to start a startup and um i'm saying this because there isn't enough um there isn't a culture of like people angel investors here people giving money to startups and so there's no funding for startups yeah we yeah. don't have yeah we don't have like local players like you know a lot of local um, players providing funding for startups so it becomes very difficult and a lot of the startup founders it's it's very easy to like uh, to to give up on your idea um, but if there were there were ways that like um, young people like startups or there could be programs where they get like an office space like, even if it's for six months one year just to try something out and see test the market um, so yeah so th- these are the problems um, and also like regulation um, support by government and um, making it easy for for you know everybody to register companies to get like some kind of like legal advice to get you know get the basic things that maybe startup founders can't afford if there is a way that like you know uh, support can be given to 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 young people it's i'm sure we know even the number of startups is going to double yeah but in spite of all that like you have a lot of like startups like providing a lot of innovative solutions um and you know like solving real problems like in in real estate in finance in healthcare and in education you know and it's really really inspiring some of them just start from scratch and they have to like be on their own and um, a few of them too i were able to like get um, foreign investors sometimes local investors to support as well do you see that it's improving in terms of like funding do you see that uh, there is something happening so this might change in the future or so that there's more you know fundings coming up or in- investors coming in the country and seeing the importance also in africa so do you believe let's say the situation for startups will improve in the near future in in Ghana yeah it's it's improving even now not even in the near, near future it's improving now because now uh, because of the rise of e-commerce you know like the e-commerce space in Nigeria is very, very successful um, and even in Ghana like it's booming mobile money mobile payments it's yeah, also I saw like that everywhere. <laughs> number one in the world here in, yeah. in Africa you know so and everybody is kind of like trying to eat into the you know the african markets now if you know like so many co- countries like western eastern countries want to like you know get us africa has like 2.2 billion people like that's a lot of like you know consumers so because of that like it's 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 we have a lot of investors too who are interested in like you know funding startups here the only problem is some because most of the startups here don't get 
a lot of support initially they are not able to scale up quickly to enter into a growth space stage to make them attractive uh, attractive enough you know for these big investors um, but then there's a lot of investors who are willing to like give money as well foreign investors and there i can recently I, I see there's a lot of like programs to help like entrepreneurs in in, in here in ghana um, even the government has like you know a program to help to support um, entrepreneurs and startups um, there's a lot of incubators and accelerators coming up and there's a lot of foreign programs as well an example is impact program which i was part of Mm-hmm. in Germany where they offered um, mentor, industry mentors, they offered us like advice, like business support and I mean my company for instance has benefited a lot from like this program um, and to also like make us attractive for you know investors and things like that. So it looks like the attention now mm-hmm. is a lot on like Africa. I think 20 years ago or 30 years ago like the thing about Africa was about okay aid, NGOs and things like that. But I'm really excited that now the narrative is changing into like more of collaboration entrepreneurship yeah. and um like you know like creation of wealth and jobs especially in your case uh, collaboration uh especially outside of africa would also be really make sense because everyone needs good colder resources yeah. software developers i mean yeah. i know just for myself and my team we're always looking for yeah. for software developers as well and uh, especially here i think the collaboration would make sense to get an investment you know uh, but then also in exchange you get uh, later the good resources. So yeah, and that is that is one thing that um, we we are looking at um, doing. Um, you saw the, the the new office that I have. I'm setting a space just for collaboration with like companies outside. And we just finished uh, our first project with with a company in California. Oh wow! Yeah, they are building like a project to help um, libraries um, assess like you know ma- manage their documents uh, for funding. Uh-huh. And um, it 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 was very successful, and it's something we want to scale up to um, uh, collaborate with companies like in Europe, in Germany, in in, in the US um, that need like talent um, as well because we are training and producing like you know um, talent, and at the same time it's a way of creating opportunities for um, our, our students and yeah. our graduates as well. Um, are a lot of international companies investing into Ghana and from which areas are they? Yeah, so the, I think there's a lot of international programs. There's a lot of them in like agri, you know, agriculture, like and recently like agri technology. Mm-hmm. Some of the banks and some of the, the telcos do a lot of like um, competitions and programs in the fintech industry and mobile money and like, you know, fintech generally. Foreign, foreign universities now, like, setting up campuses in, in, in Ghana where so that people don't have to like travel uh, abroad to get like their education but then they can stay here and you know uh, collaborate with like institutions here to provide education um, so there's there's a lot of like there's there's a lot of like such programs and support by um, foreign companies and one thing that is like I find it very interesting find very interesting is um, the fact that there's a lot of like exchange of ideas um, during that process because like for somebody like me, I grew up in an environment where okay, when I'm when I'm trying to solve a problem, I look at the problem from from the basics. You know, like if you say okay, let's cook, um, let's cook, let's say pizza or let's cook something. Like I start thinking about it from where are we going to get a stove. You know, um, other people that grew up in other areas of, of the world they start from like okay, so where do we get a pizza to cook because like 
they grew up in an environment where a lot of like basic amenities were already in place. So like these different ways of thinking, these different ways of like solving problems is something which is like you know priceless in 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 this process as well. So even though we there's a lot of um, exchange of like um, transferable skills. There's a lot of exchange of experience as well, and on both sides. And um, so, your students, or maybe in general, maybe the youth in in Ghana, do they want to make um, a career in Ghana, or are they also aiming to leave the country after they've gained some skills or the knowledge? Yeah. So, the thing is, the software space is a global space. Um, so, even most of our students, when they step in at Cotrain. We tell them, hey, like once you're in Cotrain, you are you are a global citizen. You know, it doesn't really matter like which country. A lot of our students um, would want to stay and work and help the local community. At the same time, too, we have um, a good number of them too who want to like you know, because you know the tech is a global space. They want to like work like in a global environment, either um, and not necessarily travel. Like you can sit here in a client work for a company in Sweden. Or you can sit in a crime work for a company in the U.S. Or you could travel as well. But then <clears throat> we, uh, our students are mainly like working within the, the tech space, which is which is a global space. But uh, my personal idea is that like we can train people who can help like you know local companies and local startups like mm -hmm. grow um, because it's when the companies here grow and they scale up that is when they create wealth and they create jobs and. I mean, we can transform the African continent. Like African countries can transform without like talent and um, like good tech skills and innovation and like technology. They can't, you know, we can't build billion-dollar companies that can change the lives of people here. It's really interesting um, because. I mean, I'm also working for an international company. All the people, like my work colleagues, basically coming from, yeah. let's say, Eastern European regions or maybe from India or um, even Asia, they say they were super happy to move to Germany, for example. So I think this is a really interesting difference also that people rather learn the skills and want to help the local companies here instead of instead of going abroad. Where do you see the, maybe the biggest difference in terms of working culture if you compare the Western world to the African world or to Ghana? So where do you see the... <laughs> so I think the first thing is um, for every young person here, when you are in school and you are in college and everything, you <clears throat> by the time you are in your final year and you are, you are passing out, there's a lot of um, pressure on you and there's a lot of like... Um, you become a little bit frustrated because here the culture is that like you don't only learn the society and the family takes care of you to go to school to come and work and in turn take care of them mm -hmm. you know <laughs> so so here like you're not only you know entering into the workforce or getting education getting a job only for yourself mm -hmm. but to take care of like your father to take care of your siblings to take care of like other people members of your family who couldn't get you know an opportunity that you got so that is um the main the number one mentality i mean towers work is not about only your survival it's it's you know it's about the whole family you know um and also the the thing to i think the culture is different a, a bit um the culture here is more relaxed um the culture here is is based on community building um and it's 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 more relaxed and things take and because of that the negative side of 
it is like sometimes things don't get as fast as you would mm-hmm. want um, them to get and so even at co-train we try to like uh, uh, teach them like to be aware of the international like community that okay fine like in in international environments two o'clock means two o'clock <laughs> i mean like if <laughs> if it's uh if you have a meeting at two by three fifty five, you should be ready. You know to ask the person, hey, like I'm ready whenever you are ready. Um, yeah. And you don't show up at three thirty. You know, um, <laughs> um, and also like you have to learn to be. And also the culture here is very indirect. Um, it's even sometimes considered impolite to look someone in the eye when you are talking to them because it's it's a sign of disrespect. Okay. Um, but at the same time, we have to teach them that hey, yeah, like it's it's. <laughs> It's the yeah. opposite in other places. Like you have to, like you know, yeah. you have to be direct. You have to be like honest, and tell them, you know, when there are problems, when there are issues. So, like you know, just as a way of like adjusting, just adjusting the culture mm-hmm. to to make them like world class um, as well. So these are you know a lot of cultural yeah. <laughs> differences. Yeah, and um, even here, it's a little bit disrespectful to just call somebody by their first name only. Someone uh-huh. older than you, or like your boss, or something. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I don't know. Did but you notice on your travels, like they call you Sister Christina, or uh, they call them like Sister Days, or yeah. maybe uh, someone older than you, you call them by something. You don't. You don't just call them by yeah, their, their, their first name, or maybe Auntie, or yeah. you know they call you names. Yeah, because it's a sign of disrespect. You just call the person by their name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but also the the topic you mentioned with the time uh, realized when traveling. Yeah. So if you, for example, just travel by bus or a so-called trotro, there's not a timetable. It just doesn't exist. You just go to the street yeah, yeah, and you yeah. stop the bus. Yeah, and then, yeah. or even if you go to the bus station, you just go into the bus and then you wait until it's full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whenever you plan to go to the next location or city the good thing is you never have to plan ahead because you just go there yeah. and you just take your seat in the bus you don't even yeah. need to go to a store because people will bring you the food and the drinks to the bus and yeah, you just yeah. buy it out of the window yeah so uh, i really like that concept of because we completely lost track of time and sometimes yeah. even days we even yeah. forgot when new year's eve was because we yeah. somehow lost completely the concept of <laughs> dates and 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 time yeah. So I think it also it, it uh, also has his uh, has its uh, advantages, especially yeah. for your life that you don't feel the pressure all the time yeah. of, of time. So you're taking the time. But of course, uh, in terms of collaboration, especially um, if you have calls, let's say you have calls, and then people are dialing in from Europe, from the US, from Asia, and then you're not there on time. Of course, this uh, doesn't doesn't yeah. really work. If we talk about like what work in general means for people in Ghana, so what is the purpose of work here? It's to survive, um, basically. Like because I don't know. I mean, you notice like here we don't have like basic things are too expensive here. There's a lot of things that you have to provide for yourself, you know, because of like we don't have so much infrastructure and like we don't have let's say um, a train system or a metro system running. And it's easy and it's cheap and you know, maybe with only one city you can roam the whole city at a time you know like here you need to like maybe you take one trot to the other or you take a very expensive taxi or something uh food you know like based on where you go it could be cheap or expensive um, so like a lot of the basic things are you know hard to come by and um so you a lot of people like have to like survive to you know create a better life for themselves like so they have to work 
um, to take care of themselves, take care of their family, and also take care of their parents and their extended family. You know, we have a lot of like here the culture is very communal. Like we are, we are, we work in a community. Um, when I'm since I was a kid going to school, like the whole family supports me in one way or the other. You know. So when I finish school, like they're expecting me to be super successful and they wish me the best. Mm -hmm. So that's like in times of need, I can also support and help them. So so if I decide not to work right now, it's not really about me. You know, like I'll think about, hey, like what about all the people depending on me? Then I just say, hey, get up mm -hmm. in the morning and go to work. <laughs> yeah. You know, like whereas like maybe in other place, if I was only working for myself or yeah. something, like, on this I can just say, hey, let me sleep like this week, you know, and it's nothing like, and I, Basic needs are not too of a hassle, so I, you know, I can just, you know, but here you have no choice. You have to, you know, you have to work. You have to like provide, like to provide, like economic stability, stability for your family and people that depend on you. Yeah, and it's really, really uh, different and where we come from because. I have the feeling even people get a bit more and more selfish and like, you know, seen it's their career and I want to take some time off. I want to reduce my working time. And uh, because somehow there's a social system in the country which takes care yeah. in the end of, of your parents, of your grandparents. Yeah. So um, coming from the Western world where work is maybe often seen also as the purpose in life. So I think this is a little bit how we roll in the western world what do you think is that we can learn from from the people in ghana yeah so did you did you see like kids dancing on the streets mm -hmm. and like people a lot of people being cheerful and happy and you know not giving they don't they don't care much about whatever situation they are in whether they are rich or they are poor like people are just excited they are happy and you know They put their problems behind them. What like you can learn from Ghana is like Ghana is a very cheerful place. People are very cheerful. Um, if I introduce you to like anybody like right now, like the first thing is you see them smiling at you and happy and you know. Um, it doesn't mean they don't have problems or things are not hard for them, but um, generally, I mean, so we we believe that so far as like you have life. I mean that's the that's all there is. Like you don't have to worry so much, you know. Just be cheerful, just be happy, mm. and, and yeah, like everything will be fine. Yeah, and yeah, you just have to be like, be glad and be cheerful and smile and like, you know. Yeah, that's what we experience definitely when uh, <laughs> we're traveling through the country, like everyone is so, so happy all the time. And even <laughs> once we were, when the, our Trotro, the van broke down, because the the tire was broken like still everyone you know didn't freak out like everyone was calm and made fun of it and yeah. then they fixed it and everything yeah. was fine no one complained and yeah that is that is one thing i, I that's one like we make fun of our problems mm -hmm. <laughs> so what is let's say the usp or the big advantage of of ghana or western africa compared to the to the western world or maybe also the asian world so what do you think makes this area special for talent or companies for collaborations it's so easy to see so ghana is in the middle of the world actually i don't know if you noticed true yeah yeah we are in zero zero gmt uh -huh. like we are in the middle of the world mainly is the thames time with like lisbon and london casablanca um so we have a very big advantage like right? because it's the same time like we are in zero zero gmt time zone and that is like good for business because 
um, in Ghana, you can do business with any West or any, because we are in the middle. Mm-hmm. And also, at the same time, we have a very big advantage, as in, um, it's the same, because we are in the middle, it's the same distance from any part in the world. It's the same distance, like, let's say, from New York, the same distance, right, from from London, the same distance from, like, um, the eastern parts, Asia, yeah. the same distance from anywhere. True, yeah. Um, so it's it's <laughs> very, it's so you, you can easily, like, call a conference and, like, people trooping from all over the world in just four or five hours, you know. Mm-hmm. It's only in Ghana. And also, like, the language, we speak English. Ghana has, like, very, it's very peaceful country. It's super safe. I don't know if you realize that. Very, very safe. Yeah, like, people can walk indeed. in the streets. Um, and also, we have, like, a very good democracy. And um, Ghanaians, like, you know, we have, like, very, like, good economic uh, economic stability and also political stability. Um, so, it's, it, that prevents, like, a big advantage mm-hmm. um, um, for us. Relatively, like, very good education system here. Um, Ghana is becoming, like, a hub for west african countries so we have so many like students coming in from like other french countries come and learn english in ghana and coming into like even we have a lot of students coming from nigeria like coming to learn in like universities here and that is also vital for companies to to because there's the access of to talent and even at coaching we have we have over we've had over 15 students from other african countries we have a student flying directly from gambia because he googled like code school in in africa okay. on, on the internet and he came out of ghana and uh, you know he, he just flew here and he's going to graduate next month um we have like um one student he's a liberian student i don't think i think you saw him down, downstairs he was mm-hmm. very tall he's actually from liberia uh-huh. um so we have like you know we have access to talents like the time zone the language yeah. the political environment like the safety i mean it's 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 a good combination of things that can you know um, that creates a very good business environment? Ghana is said to become a giant tech hub in 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 the in the world because because it's the perfect place for like big companies like you know Google like Facebook like big companies and also like uh, not only tech but even companies providing services like to, mm-hmm. to launch it because the time zone is perfect. You have like access to talent. You have um, stable political environments. You know you have mm-hmm. everything. You know, plus you have sunshine. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. So I, 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 think that in the future Ghana is going to be like a, a huge like park for like companies, big companies, and uh, you know, uh, pr- providing like products and services. Mm-hmm. So you also said before that in general, um, African countries um, have a very young population and compared yeah. to the to the western world yeah. so where do you see the the biggest potential for the younger people in africa so which jobs let's say are maybe the most future-proof ones so i i think that so it's in layers right so the first layer is least educated providing opportunity for them and providing like skills for them to go into things like um give them enough knowledge like going to farming like increase yield like produce like because africa is still like a net you know uh, importer of like food you know even though we have a big arable land like you know even in ghana we are net importer of food and we have a lot of young people you know we have land like i mean that shouldn't you know that's not something good um if there was like training programs to train people to like um to farm that is would be excellent and also to if you realize we consume a lot um, motorbikes, cars, like, you know, so many things. Like, if we have a lot of young people 
being trained to be able to assemble these things by themselves, to be able to like, you know, um, uh, run machinery, to be able to, you know, produce like lit- little things, like even furniture, produce a lot of things that we, 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 we tend to import. That is going to create a lot of value and create a lot of access to jobs, mm-hmm. employment, and also create wealth for like, you know, for the youth here. And then you can go to the second, the middle layer of people who, who have like, you know, who have some basic skills. They have a very good um, basic level of education and everything. Like, because we are in 00 GMT, we are in like very good time zone and everything. Like we could have like, Ghana could be like the call center of the world because it's the same time yeah. everywhere, right? <laughs> like these yeah. people can be trained like to pick calls, to run things, like to run like, you know, um, service centers for airports all over the world. Like so many things. You know they could be trained to and also because of the the climate here the good political climate is stable and it's it's super safe mm-hmm. um, we could like they could run training programs to help this middle level group to run like to to make 10 ghana into like a service country where like you can get services here mm-hmm. right you can be in new york and like get services like we can have like a service industry here um and then we have like the, the top level level where it's like super skilled jobs like software developers um you know people who run robotics people that like you know fix phones or they run like software and they run these things right so that is that there's also opportunity for that like co-trend for instance is providing because of lower level like these are great companies like mechanized companies like automobile like people that fixed uh, on the ground and then the middle the service sector um, all this kind of economic activity would need like, top-level software, top-level like knowledge people to like to provide like goddess bank. It means there'll be mall banks, there'll be supermarkets, there'll be other services that'll be run by you know um, people who probably like, get higher education. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so in all these three layers, there's one thing that runs through. It's all about like practical, employable training programs. You know, mm-hmm. um, to make that happen, um, and then when when that happens. Then, like you know, there will, a lot of opportunity will come to um, this youth. Then it's not only Ghana or, or African countries that is going to benefit, but the whole world is going to benefit because the majority of like the youth population is going to become like like African. So yeah. if they are employable and they are skilled and you know they have opportunity, like the whole world benefits. Also. Yeah, exactly. And I guess this is, uh, I think, a problem that countries, for example, like Germany do have because we are also, we're missing uh, those work resources yeah. which are also super skilled and especially in, in, in um, industries like tech. Yeah. Um, so on your website, you say, we harness your talent so that you can achieve your potential. How do you do that? Or how do you help people to discover their strengths and their talents? Okay, so one thing I realized in that when I started code training, I wanted to provide something more beneficial, something different, something to re-engineer education itself. And I realized that one thing which is missing is we are always sitting in the classroom and the assumption is everybody is the same, you know, and you write standardized tests and everything. But then um, everybody has different talents, everybody has like different like, you know, strengths and weaknesses. So I thought that um, for every student, co-trained student that comes, we firstly sit with them to, you know, notice some of their talents, like what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, and we try to build on their strengths rather than trying to build on their weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So if we, we have, let's say, a student here who <clears throat> has an eye for like design, 
it means this person uh, is more likely to be a front-end developer or a web developer or a designer or you know or somebody who brings that concept so we train the person more towards that that area people don't have don't have that don't have much of design skills and they are more analytical and mathematical we push them towards maybe aspects where they would have to like solve problems like make calculations and all that so we look at the the, the, the talent of the students and we try to you know and also we, we do that also through mentorship so if like i i you know we, we have mentors that also like offer them mentorship as well how and because of the mentorship and a combination of harnessing their talents they're able to develop very very fast mm-hmm. and what are what do you believe are currently the the main skills which are needed or where the biggest gap in supply and demand in terms of, of skills and knowledge which are lacking in the country? Yeah, so I think um, tech skills, because everybody is looking for a software developer or an app developer, um, even the companies. <clears throat> and of course, you have like um, migration to a lot of the top software developers are also, you know, like you mentioned, some of them want to get a better life elsewhere. Um, so there is, you know, there's a shortage, uh, there's a mismatch between the supply and demand of software developers, and, um, like creative skills as well. Mm-hmm. So that and that is what like Cotrain is trying to the gap Cotrain is trying to fill the you know how we solve problems here mm-hmm. from you know startups based in like Berlin. So if we talk a little bit about careers and wealth, um, how important are careers and wealth in Ghana? So I mean, Ghanaians see ed- education as a way of like you know getting out of poverty and out of like getting out of like you know. You know um, making a living, you know, um, and also like becoming like a better person. And so everybody has it at the back of their hand. And like, if I go to school, I learn some skills and I get a good job. In future, I can, you know, buy a house or build a house, like take care of my mom, buy a car for my mom, you know, um, you know, provide for the family as well. So um, one of the biggest ways, like, you know, alleviate poverty or to get out of poverty and to create wealth for yourself is through education and and also like through entering after education like entering into a career and uh, you know earning a living and uh, when we also talk a little bit about family creation so often <laughs> I mean you have especially let's say maybe as a, as a woman also but in the end you have to, to decide often if it's uh, if you go for your career or the family is it the same in, in Ghana? And if yes, which one is more important? Is it the career? Is it the family? Or um, So here, a lot of things are changing culturally. But from from day one, women have always worked. Like, have you been to Makwala before? Mm-hmm. You've been to Makwala? Yeah. Or even on the market, Kejetia, on the market. Like, it's full of, like, hardworking women. Um, these are mothers, like, you know, they take care of the family as well and everything, but they saw in the markets or even if you go to the seaside, like, you know, already we had a, we had a culture of like women. So for instance, in the, in the areas like by the sea where they do fishing, the men usually go like, they are the fishermen. When they come, the women buy the fish or sometimes their husbands, you know, they uh, smoke the fish, preserve them or, you know, and then sell them. You know, so the women also like have a big role or maybe the most important role in the economic process. Mm-hmm. It's the same in the forest areas, like the men, but even the, the women also like, you know, also farm and everything. And then 
the women are usually like the ones selling at the markets, the goods that they get. You know, things have changed, and you have like uh, education, like you know, people working in offices and all that. And it's the same. Like uh, the women, uh, we have a lot of women like working in the workforce, and at the same time taking care of their children. I think you know, taking care of their family. Um, so here, we culturally like for like hundreds of years, like. Women here are very strong and they've already learned how to like work and take care of their family at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I think they've done it so good that like there isn't much difference between work and family because even if you go to the markets, like you see like some of them have like babies behind yeah. them. You know? <laughs> it's true, yeah. Um, so it's it's something, but because of like um, uh, modernization and everything, like a lot of a lot more of the young ladies like after university, like they have to go into corporate and. And you know it's not as flexible as maybe the old system, so with that they have to sometimes choose between career and you know, and they would have to face some of the challenges like people in the Western world are you know are facing now. <laughs> so how did you guys um, work on a daily basis? Like, what is for you maybe also the the most fulfilling parts of your work and the the most frustrating ones? Um, the most fulfilling is when um, we get new students. Now, like, you see them coming in very scared, very, like, uncertain and, you know, not sure about themselves. And then after a few weeks, you see them working on projects and, like, you know, <clears throat> working on them by themselves. And, like, they're telling you, explaining that, that they, like, it's it's really, like, you know, fulfilling to to watch that process. Someone develop. Um, I, that's one end. And then the other end is um, when uh, we connect our students to companies and they get their first job or their internship or something and they get into the workforce and they are so happy and they are grateful. And like it, it's it's a priceless feeling to to see somebody like, you know, to see yourself improve, make somebody, give a bit, somebody a better life. And, you know, those two are really um, exciting. The most frustrating is like infrastructure. Like I think when you you came in, you know, like I have paint on on you know on my hand, mm-hmm. like you know, providing like the infrastructure, you know, like using um, very little resources, like you know, to to provide an environment that can um, um, bring about change and improvement in other people's life. And it's so difficult and it's so expensive. So yeah, like dealing with that, like. Infrastructure, like even we opened a new branch in Kumasi, and we had to rent. Here, the culture in here is, um, if you want to rent a place, you have to rent like years in advance. So we had to rent for twenty-four months in advance. Oh, okay. Yeah, like <laughs> very expensive, and and we had to fix ACs. Even today, you saw they were fixing ACs mm-hmm. in the new office. And so, like running, you know, it's very frustrating. Like, you know, providing like your own infrastructure, and at the same time, like running the, the business is it's. It's very, very, you know, frustrating. Um, yeah, but like the good times make up for it, you know. <laughs> so what is your advice for people in the Western world which are maybe stuck in their job situations or are frustrated with what they're doing? What advice would you give them? I mean, I would, the advice I would give them is, <laughs> firstly, you don't really need to, to get frustrated or get, you know, I always naturally like look at the positive side of things, you know, and I also do something about it. So um, they could, I mean, they could go into so many things that can, like, you know, solve problems, or you know, and also, like, improve the lives of other people. Even if one person benefits from whatever you do, um, I mean, it's it's so fulfilling. And it even makes up for, well, sometimes you are working, but you need the money, you know. 
there is um it's getting like very trendy for people to say hey i'm looking my i'm leaving my job to go and start a company and and the truth is like or to go and start do my own thing but sometimes in doing your own thing it's very frustrating and like like it's a very like being an entrepreneur is a very difficult and lonely lonely very lonely process you know very difficult and very lonely even though like you know it's it's very fulfilling sometimes but at the same time not many the percentage of startups that actually succeed is less than 20 percent um i guess in germany it's even less yeah so um i i I, my advice would be for like yeah they should look at the positive side of things and also to uh, i mean they they could always like you know do their own mini projects or you know their own things to like um, some basic always think about like things from like the most basic um principles um because a lot of people will not be looking at like because i think they are the environments where they grew up from is already like you know you don't have so many like basic problems but i'm still sure there are certain things there that like there'll be a lot of things that will be overlooked in that process so that provides an opportunity for them as well and also like look at like things that they can do to to give meaning to like other people and that alone also will give meaning to to your life and to you know uh, yeah but sometimes it's it's it can be very overwhelming like in a big company and sometimes you do something very small and you don't even know how it contributes to the entire thing but at the same time if you can do something little to help or to, you know even if it's one person it's it's and also to if they can find ways to to also like a way of like collaborating with people from other parts of the world that is also that also like makes you like realize a lot of the things that you you tend to not like identify and also like it's also very very fulfilling trying to like exchange culture trying to exchange ideas with like people from all over the world and you know it's it's it makes you feel better and it makes you feel more accomplished because like when you mentioned like you know because anybody in Ghana would think that hey like if you're living in Germany like you have a good job like you know you have like you know you 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 have a better life you know but listening to somebody like in germany like you know not being happy with their job or like the fact that there is something like that makes me feel like oh okay like yeah it's, it's not too bad for me as well yeah. like yeah you know yeah yeah so it, it, it's 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 there are things that they can also look at i would yeah that's that's what we also discovered uh, through our travels i'm not sure if the people here are so much unhappier than in the western world yeah they don't have maybe that much money but you can see obviously that uh, this money and having maybe an infrastructure is the baseline of happiness because it's not i mean yeah. there's much more to it um, yeah there's much more to it yeah but i really liked what you said um, that um, maybe the basics um, when you're stuck in your job situation is really to see okay how can i solve a problem because often we are in jobs and we completely lost the problem that we want to solve actually because it's i mean there's now this new book uh, book called uh, bullshit jobs because hmm. sometimes like we don't even know what we're doing anymore and why hmm. we're doing it and the second part is that is or being just beneficial to someone because this is like the this maybe instant um fulfilling that you can get if you see that you you really supported someone so do you have any innovative ways of working that we could learn from you oh (laughs) um so i so i usually like use like agile means Mm -hmm. um i i try because like initially we didn't have like funding 
we've been bootstrapping, but the team is growing. We are now like nine people in the team, and we have like two branches. And I've been able to achieve that by like you know bootstrapping, uh, you know, and being agile, mm-hmm. um, being lean, you know, only allocating resources where you know um, get the things that you want, and then always ask yourself. Like, is this thing really important? Is this thing the most important thing right now? Mm-hmm. If it is, isn't, like, let it wait, you know, or don't spend on that. You know, only spend on, like, the most important things. Um, if we have, like, a conference, like, or if we have a training session, like, I ask my team, what do you want to achieve today? Okay, let's say we want to achieve X, then let's focus on X. If there is something else, like, can we save money here? Can we save money? Can we, like, put our, save our, even our energy? And put it more towards X, mm-hmm. um, and also to I I create I realize personally people hate rules. I create an environment where I'm able to inspire like my employees and even our students to to have like good values mm-hmm. and to like try to like make things around them better, um, and also like um, to to very generous. So even sometimes I coach you you can find like students like helping other students because they finish their project early and you know they just want to be generous um and also to being um, teachable is also one other thing um, no matter how much you know um sometimes like you can learn from someone mm-hmm. and you don't have to get angry or you don't have to you know get angry when i'm trying to like show you a better perspective or another perspective you know or so like i learn a lot from from people, I learn a lot from even my students and my employees. Uh, yeah, so it's it's also like a culture, you know, like being teachable, being generous, and also whatever we do, we try to ask ourselves like, is this something that like can stand, you know, globally? Mm-hmm. You know, like if we do a website, like can this website, like, you know, can this website be still good enough in Germany? Can mm-hmm. it still be good enough in Japan? Can it, you know, mm-hmm. it needs to be standard. You know, so these are some of the basic things that I I. I try to like you know use in my in my work mm-hmm. what we also observed is uh, goes hand in hand uh, with what you just said like this attitude of being lean do we really need that in the moment um, really think can you maybe reuse some things for not like wasting yeah wasting money wasting things but rather reuse it yeah. that's something that we observed uh, a lot during our, our travels in, in general. So I really believe this is a Ghanaian thing maybe. Yeah. And that was for me really eye-opening that even in areas where you can see there is maybe more money that people try not to waste food. They don't try to waste things in general. Yeah. And I think this is definitely um, something which is important for us also to, to, to learn from, not to waste things or that you go... If you go into a restaurant, they would ask you in the afternoon what you want to eat because we don't want to waste food. So yeah. they would rather than buy it freshly and then just have what you want instead yeah. of like having a full cart and everything is available. Yeah. Yeah. And, but also um, what you said, uh, exchange or taking another perspective. So I think this is what we did today also with the yeah. interview with you because it was really, really, uh, really inspiring um, to get your thoughts on work and uh, understand how you help um, yeah, younger people to learn a skill that is really truly needed here. Um, so I think it's really interesting for us um, coming from a complete different world to understand also and to observe you guys um, and your also economy growing, which is really, really great. We're coming to the last question and I ask this question to everyone. So I also wanna, wanna ask that question to you. 
So since you're a founder, you in general have the chance to shape the ways um, how you find and create talent and uh, how they discover your company and um, in general, let's say how the, how the working environment for for your company looks like. But maybe there are probably things which are not easily solvable. You already talked just a little <laughs> bit about also your frustration and the missing infrastructure. So if you would have the superpower change one thing in terms of the employment situations for your employees or the people that you train, what would you change? I would change the way companies approach employment. So we have a lot of the companies um, do not want to, you know, like lose out on a lot of good talent sometimes because they do not want to like get involved in the training process. If I could change the way they approach recruiting so that it will include Maybe they recruit people and they also like, you know, invest in, in their training um, as well. And recently, one company uh, employed one of our, our, our graduates and they actually offered them like three months. They gave him like support, like training, like to catch up with the rest of the team and, and everything. Um, most of the companies would say um, they want to employ somebody, they need five years work experience, they need that, they need that, you know. Um, but sometimes those people are not available or they would have to, you'd only have to get people, attract people from already working in other companies instead of like attracting new talent, young people that do not have that experience. So if companies be more, you know, um, get involved like in the, in the training process and they can provide a way of, you know, bridging the skills gap, you know, to allow new people that do not have a lot of experience to to enter into the workforce, it is going to be mm -hmm. easier. Um, and it's, it's also going to help them because they can also get a lot of like very, very good talents who do not maybe meet the job requirements. Um, even though they, the potential is there, but they don't meet the job. So they don't mm -hmm. even apply in the first place, but they are super, super skilled. You know, there are people that maybe could within with six months or three months, they can even catch up and be better than, you know, um, People that have the experience, but because of you know the walls that they place, and mm. um, they they are not super friendly to like new you know, entrants. So it's mm. it's it becomes and some even some of them when they employ employ they get very uncomfortable as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess uh, this is a really a big problem also uh, for companies globally that they real invest into training. And I don't mean this trainings on the paper that you can get within companies, but the real trainings, you know, which yeah. uh, really improves the skills and so on. These are lacking um, for, for, for companies all over the world and their expectations towards talent is so high. But there's not enough people yeah. and I guess at some point like all companies need to invest into training again because also um, you don't learn that stuff like coding in schools today and yeah, as long as you don't have it so if people would like to get in touch with you in case they're interested how is the best way to get in touch with you um, so they can they can um, yeah, anybody can just shoot me an email at yeah. richard at um, codetraingh.com all right I will also link uh, all the the email addresses and links and maybe your LinkedIn profile as yeah, well awesome. Great. Great. in the show notes. All right. So thank you very much. This was very interesting. Yeah. Thank you so <laughs> much. Uh, yeah. I had fun. <laughs> thank you.